Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ho, 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 I know you are, but it's 2020, so I don't judge. What up, Fightful fam? Player one, Shaquille Madjuri. Player two, he's going to play the Grinch today. It's Matt Ryan, Combat Culture and Beyond. How's it going, man? Thank you for bailing me out once I realized that no one wants a Christmas Day live stream. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's quiet over here uh, at the studio somewhere in Greater Teaneck. I don't even know. We we changed studios like we're on the run from the mafia, so we're we're at my uh, home studio now. Everything's going good. Thanks for having me. Finally on Fightful. This is, I this know. Is nice. I know. I had a I had a long list of people from the MMA community, uh, current colleagues of mine, former colleagues of mine that I've wanted to get to, and I'm glad. You know the the. the the little Christmas miracle of this is uh, we got ourselves ahead of schedules. I'm happy about that. Guys, as you can tell by now, we're not live streaming. I don't want to be working on Christmas Day, so we're doing this in advance. If you're a longtime viewer, audio, YouTube, thank you so much for being here as always. You know how this works. For the first-timers, this is one-two punch. It's news talk on a win-lose-draw system. What that means is we're going to highlight the week's biggest winners, the week's biggest losers, and there's no preview, so nothing to draw up, but maybe we'll do some, I don't know, end-of-the-year predictions or something if time permits. Quick heads up, guys. If you could please tap subscribe, hit that notification bell. That goes a long way to helping us do what we do over here at Fightful MMA. Very close to that 3,000 subscriber mark to end the year. Uh, and a thumbs up on this video helps to get in front of more eyeballs, so we always appreciate that. If you're tired of me spamming the channel with Jake Paul videos, I apologize, but it draws traffic, so don't hate the player, hate the game. Uh, I think, Matt, we're gonna, we're gonna try and season this up a bit. So I'm gonna play Santa, I'm gonna you know, play to my strengths, be a little optimistic, and I'm gonna let you lean into your inner heel and play the Grinch. But I think I've got something that not even the grumpiest person could badmouth. And that is Steven Wonderboy Thompson, the nicest mother effer in the game. Back with a big win, really just outclassed Jeff Neal across five rounds. Uh, I talked to Zane Simon of Bloody Elbow about this last week, but 
like how big of a deal was this for Steven Thompson? Because it seems like the UFC was kind of regulating him to like a gatekeeper to the star status, but you can't really deny him anything close, anything you know beyond like a number one contenders fight at this point, right? Yeah, no, I completely agree, and especially for a guy like Steven Thompson who has been around forever, and you're seeing at the end of the year. Uh, Dana White going full uh, full Scrooge, cutting veterans and allowing veterans like Anthony Pettis to leave. Tyrone Woodley seemingly cut from the UFC. Great call, Dana, doing it right around the holidays because, you know, people people like having jobs on the holidays, but I digress. But yeah, a huge win for Stephen Thompson across the board. This gets him in a very stacked welterweight division. Uh, a big win for UFC in general, a year where they spent so much time needing to build new stars. Thompson is a win, uh, but there are some sev- there is at least one big loser coming out of Saturday's card. And who is that, Matt? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for teeing me up. That'd be Gregory Hardy. Uh, Greg Hardy is a guy who we've seen the law of diminishing returns. We saw him on the amateur circuit uh, being run off by the National Football League, uh, decimating human beings, then seeing him on the Dana White Contender Series. But this is not a situation to where he's a Brock Lesnar type athlete who can make the transition from wrestling to football to MMA so seamlessly and level up in a heavyweight division that 10, 10, 12 years ago was a little anemic. Now you have a guy like a Marcin Tybora, you have a heavyweight division that is so stacked that the conversation is so huge that Greg Hardy, the only reason he's on main cards is because he did get his name pops up. It's like an SEO register for people who have watched football in the past 10 years. He's a big loser. And I'm thinking if I'm Dana White, I'm seeing the law of diminishing returns. If I'm cutting a guy like Tyron Woodley, if I'm letting someone who resonates with the old heads as much as Anthony Pettis go, uh, Greg Hardy might be getting that phone call sooner or later, unless the worldwide leader has a little bit of a say in that. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Tyron Woodley because that's been kind of a confusing situation online. Uh, you know, this actually puts me in a tough predicament because uh, as cheery and optimistic as I am, don't think there's a lot to be optimistic about when you're in the Greg Hardy game. I I guess if anything, his striking looked very good compared to his last outing. You know, Marcin Tybora on a sneaky three-fight winning streak. Greg Hardy dominated the first five minutes and. Uh, I think if his gas tank hadn't failed him, big if, uh, you know, he, he could have done something there. Do you think that this is a sort of Conor McGregor-esque situation where Greg Hardy isn't going to be able to shore up that gas tank? Because, I mean, his ground his ground defense was atrocious. He basically laid on his back like a dead fish. Uh, that I think he can get a little bit better at, but because, I mean, how much worse could you get, really? But uh, when it comes to that gas tank, something that's sort of plagued him in all his fights, do you think that's just sort of how he is? He's a big boy, or do you think that is something he can invest in moving forward? He's a heavyweight who happens to have an asthmatic issue. Uh, so that gas tank, he's got to be a one. He's he's a one round fighter. Mm-hmm. He's a one round fighter, and the fact that he was he gets dragged into deeper water the minute it hits six minutes on the combined clock is not a good thing especially when you're going up against guys who are bigger, who are stronger, and who have more stamina. Greg Hardy spent the majority of his life preparing for three downs and a punt. Now he's preparing for 15-minute wars and, God forbid, 25-minute wars if the UFC is so desperate enough to have to throw him in a main event, uh, that it's near impossible for me to think that Greg Hardy's gas tank 
can last that long. We've seen him go the distance, but if everybody remembers inhaler gate or remembers those la- the lack of preparedness in his early fights. I was in Brooklyn for his first UFC fight and that illegal knee, and everybody in the press room was like, it just threw their hands up in the air. And then he came in and decided to blame the press. He did not do that this time in his loss. So there's a little more maturity on that front, mm-hmm. but I really don't know what he can do aside from having to pull, going into a deprivation tank or having to pull a Goku in uh, Dragon Ball Z and finding a way to get new lungs. He's kind of, you know, SOL on that. Yeah, Prince of War, not so much if he can't drag it through the entirety, right? Uh, let's, you know, I, I like this. Usually we could do all wins, then all losers, but I, I like in this festive season, the Santa, the Grinch thing, we're bouncing back and forth. So we'll go one for one. Uh, big winner. I mean, people are going to hate when I say this, but Jake Paul seems to be putting himself in a pretty prime position to capitalize on his star power in combat sports in a big way. Ben Askren, Funky Ben says he is game for a March 28th fight boxing match in Los Angeles. Um, you know, Chael Sonnen sort of put the teaser out there. ESPN's Ariel Hawani says it's far from done. But there were two guys in MMA on uh, Jake Paul's radar that he could pros- possibly, if not probably, beat in a boxing match. And Ben Askren might be one of them. Who's the real... You know, Ben Askren says that he's going to get in there, whoop some ass, and make easy money. Where do you think this leans? Are we underestimating Ben Askren's boxing because it was bad in MMA, or is his boxing just bad, period? Well, didn't Jake Paul just fight at 205? Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Nate Robinson? Yeah, he was technically a cruiserweight in that fight, wasn't he? Uh, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I read he's probably got at least 15 pounds on Ben. Yeah, so already it's a farce. Like, like unless we're going back to my friend David Isaacs and the old UFC style. Uh, I really don't see this fight panning out unless the money's so ridiculous that one of them's going to cut down or one of them's going to level up. And Ben Askren, you know, in his mid to late thirties has not had a fight in over a year. I don't know how consistent his training is, especially I know his wrestling training and his grappling training is continuing, but I don't know about his striking. And we've seen, he got, he got chinny. He got Jorge Masvidal sent that man's chin to another dimension just about two years ago. So we're already trying to put Ben Askren in a situation where he's either going to be too hard, too high above his weight or fighting someone too below his weight. He's one of the biggest losers of the week, in my opinion, because he's entered, he's okie doped himself into a no win situation. Ben Askren knows how to talk. A talker knows a talker. And if he wants to make that kind of money, good on him. But for a guy who was a living meme 18 months ago and someone who lives and dies on the internet, just like every single person in the world of MMA and combat sports, do you really want to be that guy who may get posterized by the guy who did It's Every Day, bro? It's the Disney Channel guy going up against Ben Askren. And for me, it's not, there's no win here. There's no win. Like, his wallet gets a win, but the purists who say, this is not what MMA combat sports are supposed to be about, they're not going to shut up. Jake Paul's fans aren't going to shut up. 
and they're all, you know, 14 years old. So it's already annoying and insipid hearing people who don't, who haven't taken the SAT yet, try to give you an opinion on a left hook. But for me, it's a no win situation for Askrim and it's all win for Jake Paul. Exactly. If he loses, he, he lost to a combat sports veteran, an actual fighter instead of a YouTuber and Nate Robinson, who I love, let's go next. But he wins either way yeah. because he has the money. He has the power position. He has the negotiating power. Also, you know, ultimately, when if, if Jake Paul goes out there and gets starched, which the fact that we're not even sure of that is, is mind-boggling to me. If Jake Paul goes out there and gets starched, he's a laughing stock for a very brief moment in time. Like you said, he's not a pro fighter. Ben Askren is an Olympian, a multi-promotional world champion, and at one point, a ranked UFC welterweight. Um, we're going to forget if Jake Paul loses. We're not going to forget if Ben Askren loses. If Ben Askren, the hottest possible signee from Bellator and one championship, gets the UFC, wins a supremely controversial uh, fight against Robbie Lawler, gets starched by Jorge Masvidal, the single greatest you know KO of all time, Joaquin Buckley aside, perhaps. Um, and I'd actually give it to Jorge just based on the stakes and everything going into it. Uh, gets slept by Damian Maya, and then, and then loses to Jake freaking Paul in a YouTuber versus MMA fighter freak carny nonsense. Dude, his legacy is toast. We're going to remember Askren as the single biggest flop in MMA history. And Matt, I don't know what your grinchiness is doing, but your sports yellerness is very, very like manipulating because you got me getting upset now uh when you say carny nonsense you think matt ryan and and you're you haven't you're exactly right there shaq when you take a look at it uh ben Askren has gone from the most hated to the most overrated in what feels like five minutes when we when we heard about the trade when we i was in the garden the night ben Askren was officially in the ufc and there was this emotion in the air there was this feeling of Oh, this is going to be great. Like looking ahead, looking to all the matchups. Will he be the champion this time in 2019? And then reality happened. Mm-hmm. And for Ben Askren, get your, I'm not going to say don't do it. Get your money. I, I will never deny anyone the opportunity to make a bag. And you have the chance to knock out someone who's more annoying than you on the internet. Oh, it's delicious. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. But you're in a no-win situation there. You just aren't. And you're going up against someone who is supremely unlikable. And even if he wins, now we have to begrudgingly respect someone we automatically dislike. Here we go. All right, let's move to a conditional one because I don't know if this is a win or if this is a lose. A lot of weird stuff with Tyron Woodley today. Uh, a report comes out, a screenshot from what appears to be Tyron Woodley Snapchat, uh, black screen with the words cut. That's all it says. And, you know, the rumors start swirling that maybe Tyron Woodley, the former <laughs> UFC welterweight champion, is the latest victim of the 60-ish roster cut that Dana White promised would happen by the end of the year. Uh, his manager, Malkikawa, subsequently says it is not true. That is not real. No one reached out to us. And Tyron Woodley goes to Twitter and Instagram and says, this is Photoshop. This is not legit. 
the reporter in question, a, a colleague of mine who I respect very much, and I'll leave his name out of it for now just because I don't really know whether he was misreporting or not because uh, he actually had uh, back and f- he, 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 him and Tyron Woodley exchanged some comments online and uh, the reporter said, hey, I saw the screenshot. I went to the Snapchat to verify it myself before reporting this. And so I apologize if it is photoshopped. I, I am sorry for this reporting, but I, you know, did double check. And Tyron Woodley accepted that apology in stride. So I don't, I don't really quite understand what happens because the reporter is saying that he checked Snapchat and it was there. I, I don't quite know what Tyron Woodley means that it was photoshopped unless it was a fake account. I don't know what the deal is. I think, you know, I'm going to say win on the condition that it seems for now Tyron Woodley is not cut. But I gotta say, bit of a lose because when the news started spreading, people weren't even surprised. <laughs> Would you be surprised if at this point Tyron Woodley gets the shaft by the end of the year? I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it would. It would be the end of a long and arduous saga between mm-hmm. Tyron Woodley and the UFC, going back to when he was champion and all the issues between he and Dana, his title defenses not being on par with what a lot of people, especially Dana thought should be title defenses for someone to his level. And then you see the output in his last couple of fights, uh, especially that disappointing performance against Colby Covington. I I wouldn't be surprised. And right now, if I'm the PFL, if I'm Bellator, uh, I'm looking at this and I'm pondering, is it worth the investment? Mm. Because Tyron has been more focused. It seems ever since he lost the title, uh, February of 2019 or so, uh, on not only his rap career, but everything else around his life. He's focused more on everything but fighting, even though we've seen him in the gym more determined. Do you, is it worth that investment for the PFL who have signed, you know, Fabrizio Verdum today? They signed uh, uh, Anthony Pettis. The, it's a big signing for them because they're trying to, they're doing the TNA model of trying to get big name fighters who are just on the, just over the line of their prime Mm -hmm. and trying to see if they can renovate them or try to build some ratings out of them. And it's a smart approach, especially in MMA. Uh, You know, recent history is nostalgia for MMA fans. This is a sport that's less than 30 years old. So a lot of those names, a lot of that mentality still sticks in with a lot of the diehards and some of the casual fans. So them seeing a Tyron Woodley, especially fighting on ESPN2 or ESPN Plus, could help convert a few fans. These could be smart strategic moves. I don't know if they're going to be the same quality of fights, but it could be a win for everybody but the UFC. But it also might be a win for the UFC as well to kind of just end a very caustic and toxic relationship between themselves and Tyron Woodley. Yeah, let's let's touch on Anthony Pettis, because I think at first glance, a lot of people would say, oh, well, this is a downgrade for Showtime, going from a win in the UFC, coming off of a 29-28 unanimous decision against Alex Morano at UFC Vegas 17 last Saturday, now to fighting not with the PFL, not perhaps, you know, uh, getting a big payday over at one championship, but by signing with the Professional Fighters League. Now, I'm, I'm going to give this uh, an up because I'm sure Anthony Pettis had options. I'm sure Scott Coker would have liked to see him in Bellator with his brother Sergio. I know a potential matchup with MVP was sort of circulating headlines. Um, but I think this is, you know, the UFC, and it's a problem we talk about constantly in regards to fighters' rights and the 
pay disparity. It's, it's the stranglehold that UFC has on the vast majority of the market. But I think what we're kind of starting to see for the first time, because we're used to seeing the Frank Mears, the Roy Nelsons, like the really washed up guys ply their trade in Bellator because, you know, obviously they've aged out. It's part of the natural evolution and progression of mixed martial arts, but they still want to compete and there's a platform for them. What I think we're starting to see now is, you know, Dana White, I believe him when he says, look, our roster is bloated. You know, uh, Luke Thomas made a really good point that uh, the UFC has more fighters under its banner than the NBA has players in the league. So I, I think that speaks volumes. Uh, I, you can double check that, but I seem to remember that being what he said. Uh, I'm not that well-versed in basketball. Uh, point being, though, I think what we're seeing to some degree is as the UFC's roster gets bloated with a bigger and bigger insurgent of young guys who've been training MMA their whole careers, and are, you know, very, very quickly meeting and then exceeding the talents of the existing guys, we're going to see people age out of the UFC sooner than we used to. And by proxy, we're going to get these guys in PFL, One, Ryzen, um, Bellator, like you said, when they still have something in the gas tank. So I think the, evol- you know, the, the, the continued evolution of the sport is ultimately going to benefit these second-tier promotions because they're going to get more and more guys while there's still some life in them. And that's an excellent point, but then I don't mean to go back to pro wrestling. This is Fightful. This is what you guys do. Well, Fightful Uh, is, yeah, like 95% pro wrestling, so go for it. (laughs) Shout out to Sean and his beautiful, beautiful hair. Uh, When it comes to... I look at it like the independent wrestling scene now, or if you look back for the past 20 years on the independent wrestling scene. MMA is, a, as I said before, a very young sport but the, it's evolving at a pace that boxing did over the course of a century. Mm-hmm. So you're going from these club-style fighters to these guys fighting 15, 16 times a year in long rounds with no real rules and building up. We're basically getting into the 1970s and 80s now to where boxing was. These big high-level fights, marquee matchups. Sport is now, at I would say, it's the biggest drawing combat sport in the world. Boxing can still have some pull, but you need Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua to fight each other to kind of match a Conor McGregor card, in my opinion. So it's, you're getting a young, you're getting a deeper crop, a deeper roster of fighters, and it's going to benefit everybody else. But going back to pro wrestling, it comes back to the marketing of these organizations. How are they going to be able to apply these new stars and try to focus on the building of a star, as opposed to using Mm -hmm. someone else who has all of the dirt, from another company uh you have anthony pettis who's great are you going to focus solely on him or are you going to try to use him to prop up all your other stars and for pfl which does a season format are they going to pack these cards with a clarissa shields mm-hmm. with uh, a fabricio Verdum? are they going to try to stack these cards to get big ratings on some weeks and then lower weeks they're going to get you know all the other guys that they don't have any name recognition Or are they going to be able to balance this out? And it's the same question with Bellator as their roster gets deeper and they run more cards. And they're on the CBS Sports Network, which is, you know, some people may not even know what they if they have that, as opposed to being on Paramount Network. These are the big questions that these organizations have to ask. It's not only about roster depth. It's about the implementation and the execution of a plan around that roster. And that's why the UFC is so successful. Yeah, the, the PFL structure, it kind of limits the options you have. I would guess their best bet 
probably, uh, you know, avoid situations where all your tournament winners are going to be ex-UFC stars. So, you know, if you have some divisions that don't have as much star power, but you have a guy or two who are, you are very confident are going to win the whole thing, place them right between below the Anthony Pettis's, place them right below the Fabricio Verdooms, and let them sort of dominate the rest of their divisions. And, you know, someone like a Verdum at this point in his career, I could see him losing a tournament. I think Anthony Pettis could probably run the gambit, maybe. But, uh, you know, this could be a chance to get a mix of stars, some Olymp- you know, some crossover stars like Clarissa Shields, some UFC stars like uh, Anthony Pettis, and maybe get a guy or two who can dispatch of the USC- UFC veterans. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunately not pro wrestling. You can't book these things. We'll have to see how it plays out, but you hope... Or can you? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. Looking at the clock. We're still pretty good. I'm going to hit a quick reminder, guys. Hit subscribe. Tap the notification bell. Leave a like on this video. Lucky, lucky you. No shack chillin' for Super Chat donations this week. But don't worry. I'll be back for New Year's. Okay. Let's do a little. Are there any other losers you wanted to highlight in your personal uh, or professional life? Ooh. Uh, personal <laughs> life, me. Always me. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know what? Dana White. Uh, uh, Dana well, I, White well, had... wait. If I put Dana White in this chair, he would say the media. But since we got the media well, yeah. in this chair, tell me why Dana White. Well, uh, speaking as the media, I am the representative of the MMA uh, local sports yellers union, uh, 464. Uh, we would like to say, Dana, what's wrong with you? you you've, the goodwill that you built up <laughs> when you first came in and everybody liking you was you keep finding new ways to build yourself up and then completely decimating your goodwill. You were one of the people who brought sports back. We may not have all loved it, but for us who make our living on combat sports, thank you. But how you go about it and this Trumpian philosophy, I can't wait to get filleted in the comments for using that phrase, uh, in blaming the media for everything that goes wrong in the UFC, it's a two-way street. Like, Dana White's a brilliant businessman. He's a great promoter. Next to Vince McMahon, he might be one of the best combat sports promoters in the history of the in the history of the medium. Him and his best friend Bob Arum are in the top four or five, depending upon who you talk to. And for me, Dana just coming out and blasting the media and basically doing this touchdown dance about look at all we did this year while we were able to pull off and you know making all of that money without running a live house, but also cutting fighters, doing so many restrictions, bitching about the COVID, like all of these other things. And you're still doing this Deion Sanders touchdown dance about how well the UFC did this year. It's hard for us not to say, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. On the other side, thanks for the fights, but don't be a douchebag about it. Yeah, poor uh, Brian Campbell really got the shaft on that one. And not to mention, he's been (laughs) definitely one of the, more optimistic guys in the media when it comes to the UFC. This was a hit piece. Look, I, I've had this debate with a few people online. Dana, guys who don't question Dana and want to suck on everything bald he's got from head to toe just aren't going to listen to reason. But the reality is, the reality is, most of the media, and hey, I called out the ones, uh, not by name, but I, I actually got a lot. I will say this about the media. 
when you late when you throw out the term media, the media gets so offended. There was a time uh, after the initial controversy regarding UFC hosting the show in Brazil with no COVID testing, UFC trying to throw a show at Tachi Palace after the uh, state athletic commission denied them, and the state government said we don't want this to happen. That's when the brunt of this uh, media backlash against the UFC was, right? Once the U.S. and and the Jacksonville, let me, I'll I'll give a quick breakdown. This is the problem the media had with the COVID pandemic and and Dana White's handling of it. He held a show without testing as everything was going into lockdown. He tried to circumnavigate the athletic commissions and the state governments by hosting a show on Native American land, which was only stopped by Disney and ESPN. He (laughs) held the shows in Jacksonville, Florida, one of the first places to reopen uh, without any evidence uh, to show that his protocols would work but guess what for the most part they did and once the media had evidence they moved on for the most part i will say there are a few who kept complaining and i mentioned on twitter and i got a ton of flack from reporters from every publication you can think of message people i didn't even know knew who i was messaging me being saying hey you can't say this hey you can't say that which is a lot of nonsense too you know the media has to be able to take criticism there were a few. There were a few minor people being very loud about the COVID testing, even once the UFC showed a good track record. And beyond that, I don't know what Dana's talking about, right? This was a really weird hit piece. Kept naming and putting faces out of people who really did not say anything. It's weird. It's like the people who were the most negative about the UFC were not mentioned in this hit piece. And then you got poor guys like Brian Campbell, Alexander Kaylee, who've been very neutral optimistic leaning about the UFC and the ongoing pandemic getting crapped on. Like I, I wrote on Twitter, I've, I didn't know it, you were allowed to masturbate so hard in public. I just, it's weird to me that Dana feels the need to do this. And it, I feel says more about his own insecurities than anything. Oh no. Yeah, no, that's, that speaks to it. Um, I'm kind of mad he hasn't noticed Dan A. White, uh, the puppet we have on the Combat Culture <laughs> live stream shows. Uh, the puppet just wants acknowledgement, Dana. Dan A. White is a mustachioed puppet who may or may not resemble Dana White in the face and body, but he's a completely different person. Don't sue us, just watch. Uh, but Dana's always been like that. And, and you know, we in the media, accountability in the media is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. If we get something wrong, we have to be held to the same standards to the people that we're speaking out against or giving our take on or reporting on. Because if we get something wrong, it li- it it's on, it lives. Mm-hmm. You have to issue an attraction, but it lives. It's on there. It lives on the site. It will, the internet has, the internet is undefeated. And it, the same thing goes for Dana. He didn't have a perfect year. He did not, there was a lot of cruelty <laughs> in how people were treated this year. And a lot of misinformation and distrust was created between Dana, the fighters, and also the community. There's a lot of fans who are just like, just bleed, we want to see fights. And that's the same thing across all sports, no matter the platform. And there's always going to be people who very seriously, who take this issue very seriously and want the due diligence. And if the due diligence is done and everything's up to snuff, and if this is proven right, with the exception of human error, we move on. But... There's always going to be performative people who are doing things for an agenda. Dana is one of them. Our peers, there are peers who do the same exact thing, Mm -hmm. and there are going to be fighters who do that. 
it's a it's a systemic part of humanity. I'm sorry, guys, but we all have the we all have the tendency to do it. Yeah. Um, last thing on this, and I see this argument from because there were U, there were fighters, current UFC fighters, former UFC fighters, sort of giving this uh, hit piece the big hurrah and saying, you know, Dana White afforded us the opportunity to fight. To which I'd argue, and listen, if you want to fight, go for it. But I'd argue, instead of praising the UFC for affording you the right to fight, don't you wish you could praise them for paying you enough money so you could afford the right not to? Yeah, that'd be nice. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing. It's like fighters are relieved that they can fight because they'd have no income otherwise because they're, spoiler alert, significantly severely and borderline abusively underpaid wow you're really grinching me out today matt but people <laughs> like it when i get animated and i cut promos so there we go you know we, we usually run pretty long but it's christmas weekend week i want to go and uh I- enjoy my time with my loved ones i'm sure you want to do the same but i'll ask you this as we wrap up a little preview for what I think the New Year's focus of uh, One Two Punch is going to be. Matt, I want you to tell me the one thing you are most grateful for in the MMA space in the year 2020. Um, freak fights. It's always going to be freak fights because somewhere out there, there will always be a freak fight and I will always be there waiting for them to pop up and waiting them to watch. Uh, I'm also just grateful for the level of competition we've seen this year. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of cards where going into it, I'm like, I, I don't know, this is this might suck. And then I'm surprised every time out, every time at the end of a broadcast, I'm like, wow, that card really surprised me. This year, despite everything going on, despite all the changes, despite the fact that there were cards that felt like the wacky races heading into it, you had no idea what was going to happen. This was a great year of fights, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that I got to watch so many of them and make money doing it. Uh, and I'm very grateful that 2021 looks to be on pace for another great year. We're starting off with three cards oh, in good. 2021. So we good. have Connor and Poirier, uh, and I'm also grateful for good bourbon. Yes. So we're not talking proper Irish 12. <laughs> proper. I do have a bottle of proper 12 in my bar right now. It goes good mixed. I will say that. Yeah, well, that's what they say about everything that sucks. Um, all right. <laughs> Last now, I'll say, you know what? There's there's a handful, but, man, honestly, my personal favorite, Glover Teixeira. What a great 2020 it's been for him. From, you know, uh, gatekeeper status to the undeniable number one contender for the UFC light heavyweight title, ignoring super fights. And, it seems at least, uh, you know, they still haven't made Jan versus Izzy official. And even Uncle Dana uh, insists that Glover is very much in the mix. So the only thing that would cap off uh, 2020 for me in regards to Glover, give the guy a title shot in 2021. He's old as bones. He's got to retire soon. <laughs> give him that chance. Okay, Matt, uh, I'll do the plug before I give it up to you. Guys, go subscribe to Combat Culture. We're going to have so much more content in 2021 that's uh, the other channel i do some on-air stuff for matt ryan holds it down for all the major pay-per-views and the occasional freak show tyson versus joan fiascos uh live stream watch alongs you know i mean watch ours but if you're not going to watch ours for some reason watch his uh either way you're helping 
my camps out. Ryan, where can people find you and what would you like to leave them with this holiday season? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mryanconsulting. You can catch me every uh, fight week on Wednesdays on with our friends over at SBR, uh, breaking down UFC cards and giving my predictions every week. Every UFC pay-per-view, as Shaq said, you can watch me on Combat Culture, holding it down for the live streams, and you can watch me progressively get drunker and drunker as the night uh, goes on. Uh, you can also watch Catalyst Wrestling every single Saturday at 11 a.m. on the Gas Digital Network every single Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Fight, and also in Canada, in the United States, and in MENA on the Fight Network. Check your local listings for that. And coming soon to Tubi, uh, back episodes of Catalyst Wrestling. Uh, and also available if you, got a, you need a last-minute stocking stuffer or you're celebrating Boxing Day, uh, Catalyst Wrestling Live at Skankfest 2019 featuring Ari Shafir, uh, Tony Hinchcliffe, wow. and a bunch of great action. He's available on Walmart, Best Buy, and Amazon.com. Wow, you were ready for this. Uh, <laughs> all right, there we go, guys. Last reminder, hit subscribe, tap that notification bell, leave a like on this video. We appreciate you guys as always. No live chat today, but I hope all of our regular YouTube viewers are doing well, as well as the audio-only listeners who are the foundation of One Two Punch. Thank you guys so much. I'm wishing everyone... A happy holiday season, whatever you celebrate, whatever you don't, we can all get drunk or sober, whatever you like. We'll see you one more time for 2020. Until then, I'm Shaquille Madjuri, and as always, I gotta do that crappy outro, so stay tuned for everything Fightful and so delightful. Happy Kwanzaa. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.